Welcome to episode 574 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, then welcome along to episode 574 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm good. Back in the studio. It's been a while, mate. It's I been a, nearly two months. It probably is. Jeepers, mm. creepers. And, and the good thing is, you come from Europe, it's been summer, you come back in beautiful Christchurch weather. Bevan's inside with his jacket on. <laughs> yeah, got my jacket, got about five layers on. Got my, I got, got home from the gym and I put my warm pants on. Yeah. They're not fashionable, but they're warm. Practical. Roundhouse trackies. Do you have roundhouse trackies, John? I don't. Don't you? No. You need some roundhouse trackies. I'll go get myself some. You know, because these are quite fluffy on the inside. Nice. Yeah. But you would never wear them in public. No. No, but roundhouse trackies. Barker's, Barker's trackies. Old Barker's trackies are good roundhouse trackies. Mm. Did you have Barker's trackies when you were a kid? Yeah, absolutely. They were fashion, weren't they? They were. Do you know what, John? So a couple of years ago, I went into Barker's and they bought Barker's trackies back. And I was like... Barker's is a New Zealand um, sort of men's... Fashion brand, medium high, medium high end. Yeah, yeah. But when we were teenagers, they had a couple of products which were kind of fundamental to our fashion. Barker's trackies being one of them. Mm-hmm. So I bought the Barker's trackies, John. But they changed the cut. Ah. And they were not cool at all. <laughs> not even cool enough to be around the house trackies. Oh so these ones here are not Parkers. But anyway, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. Exhale. Oh, and this is a way that you can keep track of all your all your information about your training. And our patrons. And we, we've got to name one in particular here because we realised at the end of the camp that we hadn't been given this guy much love. Sean Diggett Dooley. Yeah. Sean, he goes by Sean, but his, his Michael, PayPal, on his PayPal, it's in, in his emails and stuff, it's Michael because his middle name's Sean. Um, so I, I missed it off the list. So and he had Sean a blind race in it and wrote. He improved by about, he, he had a cap improvement. So with the oh, Iron yeah, Talk he stepped caps, up in cap, yep. He's moved up around. I think he was an hour. Was it an hour? An hour and a half quicker than his It was 90 minutes. Run? Yeah. yeah. And he had a great race as well. Like, mm. you know, it was, it was a pretty awesome effort. So Sean Diggett Dooley. We've also got Joseph the Star Willensky. And Timothy Pedal to the Metal Ford. Pedal to the Metal. On this week's show, guys, we've got some news. We've got the, the rant's back. It is. And is it a rant rant or is it more just a little bit disappointed? Uh, it's a pretty solid okay, rant. Yeah. I got fired up yesterday. Okay, wait, wait, hold it back, hold yeah. it back, hold it back. Uh, we've got a website of the week, Coach's Corner, and also we're going to do a bit of a breakdown of Rote versus, I see in your show notes here, Rote versus Kona. Yes, not not slagging off either one. No, no, just... But more saying, this is how I sort of saw it. The numbers of how's are different in terms of power outputs, times, etc., and just the overall experience, because those are... I would say those are your two iconic races out there. And, and it sold out in like three different. minutes, didn't it? I thought it was less than that. Or was it really? Yeah. yeah. We got an email from someone who's like, oh, I got up here at one in the morning. I missed out. Got a winger of the week. And then we've got some questions and answers at the end. Okay, Jombo, first of all, let's talk about some results. So over the weekend, we had Ironman UK. And thanks to tryrating.com, they've got... Torsten's sending me through all the results. Oh, in the one guy's one a hit. legend. It's fantastic. And How come I don't see the results? Is it on, on his website? On, no, you got them on the email as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Check the email. Yeah. Uh Sul not only is he a fantastic athlete, top ten been top ten in Kona before, and he took out the race, excellent effort, forty eight minute swim, four fifty two 
bike. It's a side bike course over in the UK. The weather looked miserable. I saw some pictures. God, it looked depressing. And a 2.53 Only run. Only four, three people went under five hours. Yeah, and he finished with an 8.41.07. He was quicker than Torsten's predicted time. Will Clark was in second place. Came home with a 2.46 marathon. That dude can run the wind, like the wind. And uh, We interviewed him in Kona, didn't we? We Will did. Clark, yeah. Yep. Yep. Tell him that uh, Team BMC. Yep. And Kirill... Kochigarov from Estonia was in third in 8.48. So only three guys to break the sub-nine-hour barrier. But I saw Cyril Vino's name, and I thought, didn't he race Frankfurt the week before? Back it, it up. And he had. He finished 11th. Pretty crappy result for him in Frankfurt. Out of the money, and not great points either. So I'm figure, I figure he needs to back it up and, and get some points to make sure he qualified for Kona. So he turns around, gets on the plane over to England, and away you go. Wins the race. Pretty Two good effort. Two races in one week. Pretty good effort, man. That's pretty sensational. Tiny field, though, in IMA UK. Only seven pro men finishing, and there was only 11 on the start line. Mark Boasted. Mm-hmm. Kiwi guy. Very good. Is he good? Very good. Very good half, half Ironman athlete. Not quite as good over the iron distance, but but solid. Mm. So wait, so wait, only, so how many deep was it? So, so it only paid six deep? Or only paid that, five, six deep, yep. Was that because the f- fifth person was the sixth person? No, 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 that's, that's standard the practice at these mm-hmm. um, second, tier. second tier races. And then on the girls' side of things, there was only five starters and four finishes. Wow. This is Gossage, the Gossinator took it out. Yeah, so you finished fourth place, Brooke Brown there, in 10 hours, 21 minutes, took home $2,500 for her troubles. Lucy Gossage took it out, and uh, in 101 swim, which was slower than predicted, 5.23 on the bike and a 3.09 run. Pretty close racing, only uh, just managed to beat Diana Reisler by about two minutes, and Nikki Bartlett was in third place. But again, only five entries and only four finishes on the female side of things okay so so i'm in uk well done uh, yes. but lots of listeners i'm sure out there well done it's yeah. a tough bike course yep. and uh supposed to be a great race okay john's it update with hamburg over the weekend and uh thorsten sent me an email all about it john so i'm just checking it out he right did. Now. <laughs> and i watched it so hamburg is a good race it's a yeah it's a sprint distance race uh men's race was kind of Relatively predictable with Moller um, taking it out. We had Kiwi Ryan Sissons. That's a big result for him, isn't it? Huge result. How'd that come out? Where did that come out? Got of? Third. He was running in second on on Gomez's shoulder. Put the foot down with you know maybe less than a k to go and uh, passed. Because this is top the top level race. Everyone was there except the Brownies. So how did he manage that? Because uh, that, that's out of nowhere, isn't it? He's had a good year. He's won won a World Cup and I think he had a podium elsewhere. World Cup is the next yeah. level down. But this is next level. Oh yeah, absolutely. So wow, good on you, Ryan. Well done. It's awesome. Um, by him and were you shocked? I, he was going for. You could see he was going for it early on, and I was thinking, I've seen him kind of in that position before, and then he'll blow and maybe finish somewhere between five and ten, which would still be quite a good result. Like he's been Richard Murray, Gomez, like. He's beaten the guys. And it was a pure running race. Really? It's not like he was in a breakaway. It was everybody comes off the bike together and it's a running race. So a great result for us, for our Kiwis. And the girls' race was Flora Duffy. If she comes to 30 seconds. If she comes to 30 seconds in a sprint. She is going to crush it because she just gets on that bike and just TTs off the front of the group. She doesn't get a breakaway out of the swim. She rides to the front of the bike. But she's she's at the front pack in the swim. Usually, yes. Yeah, okay. um, but it wasn't 
was she broke away from the group, tried it off, took a couple of girls with her for a while, rode off and just crushes them, and then she can run as as fast as everybody anyway. So she, then she just hangs on the run. You say if she comes, is there a thought she's going to be coming? No, why? She'll be cranking it on the ITU circuit in terms of revenue, exposure, okay, funding. So, so it's, it's just a and, and she doesn't have an Olympic medal or anything like that. So um, she'll be no, she'll be sticking around definitely till. What Tokyo. about um, Jorgensen? How far away is she from? Well, she's having a baby. Oh, she's not had it yet. She may have done. I don't know. No, neither. Um, so great racing. And then last night I actually then went and watched the mixed relay, and that's a great event. Aussies I didn't realise it had been confirmed for the Olympics. When did that get announced? Uh, it would have been while you were away. It was it was when the Leeds ITU race was on. So that's was, massive news for triathlon. It was it was always you, you were hoping it was always coming. It was they were lobbying very hard for it. So it's fantastic for our sport as a whole. Not only because we get one other event, but for elite athletes, it means there's going to be a lot more funding from national federations around the world. Because there's another medal to go for. Well, and also it's a team of four. Mm. So it's four athletes you need to get ready for the Olympics. Yep. So it's not just another race where there's one more. Like, let's say they brought out a 70.3 at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Well, you might get two athletes who get to race in that race. Whereas mm-hmm. a team of four, like, that's that's really good for the, for Ath- the pros. F- yep, no, it's a fantastic result. So, and it's just great watching. It's just lead changes all the time. You know, with the, when it's one on one. The Australians won too, didn't they? They did. And it was, and they were. They were 40 seconds down going into the final leg and managed to, to peg that back. And so how's, I, I can't remember, I watched it at the Commonwealth Games, I don't really know how it works, tell me about it. It goes, girls, uh, so it's a team of four, team of four. So just individual races? Individuals, girls go first and then it's 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 like 300 metre swim, I think the bike was either six or nine K and then you run a mile. So it's <clears> just all out. All on. So the, fir- the first leg is pretty crucial on the run, and that's where things can spread out. And then after that, then you just get little pockets racing together. And yeah, it's constantly changing. Um, now with this race in particular, there weren't all of the big hitters weren't racing. Yep. And when you've got a hundred percent of the big hitters, it'll probably be a little bit more predictable. But with this one, you know, some teams had a slightly weaker person and a slightly stronger person. So team tactics is, is you've got to say really UK's favourite right now. Uh, yeah, if you had the brown, yeah, 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 would. But also, the Americans uh, are very good. You know, do you put Gwen Jorgensen off the first? She's going to give you, say, twenty, maybe thirty second lead going into the second leg, or do you hold her back later on? So it becomes quite a strategic. But wait a second, game. you have to go girl versus boy, or you can choose your order. No, you have to have girls versus girls, boys versus boys. But do you put Gwen Jorgensen going first, first or third? Oh, is it, so, so it goes girl, girl boy, girl boy. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, so in the Olympics, I, I I don't know if they've announced this. I don't know much about this, but have they said which what the order of triathlon will go now? Have they said okay, the individual race is going to be on Monday, teams race on Wednesday? Do you, do you know the gap? No, but I'd imagine there'll be a couple of days. Okay. So so you will get everyone racing both. Mm. Yeah, oh, it's going to yep. rock. But then you might have super speedy young specialists. Yeah, who don't don't need to. Who do, yeah, who don't do don't do the other race. So you got say a guy like in the states, they had a guy Ben Canute, who in the sprint distance race, I don't know what place he finished, but it wasn't great. You know, wouldn't it wouldn't have been the top ten, and probably wasn't in the top twenty. And then, but over a short distance race, he's a weapon on the bike and a really strong swimmer. Individual time trial, you know. He's he's quite a useful asset. So. Do you think it brings different athletes into the sport? It's becoming a young person's game. This yeah, because that's that, that, that's 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 what. How long are you gonna race for with that? Maybe twenty five minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you are absolutely. That's a you know you're not an old bugger doing that sport, no, are you? You are 
full gas, just going ballistic (laughs) (laughs) for 25 minutes. And the skill it takes at Hamburg, when they go running into the water, the guys especially, they come running down this ramp and then to dive into oh, the water, yeah. <laughs> that about takes some serious too. skill. One guy completely balls up. He just, when it was, when he landed, and he was leading, and landed in the water sideways. It was, Because yeah. <laughs> you're sprinting, aren't you? Mm. You just be a gun for it, good times. Okay, well, we'll wait, because obviously the show's been a bit different over the last period of time. We've got some really cool feedback saying some of the, uh, the interviews we put on were really good, which is great. Uh, we had a couple of races. I'm in Germany, and it's probably, you know, one of the biggest races on the calendar, so we just thought we'd do a quick huge, update on huge that. Huge big field there. Uh, Sebastian Keenlay took it out. The bike course was short, so the, the times were particularly fast. By much? Fast. Do you know how much? About three, two to three K. Oh, but some a people shocker. Were, no, no, I think it was intentionally. Oh, they okay. um, they had some roadworks or whatever. Oh, okay. it just kind of, if, if, they, if they'd then gone, this is another world's fastest time, which they may well have done. I haven't been keeping close tabs. But Sebastian Kenlay went 7.41. Wow. So I think the most impressive thing there is the way that the dude is running now. You know, we yeah, know he's true. a weapon yeah, on the bike. Good point. If he can run. 2.45. He's. Yeah, he's, he's pretty impressive. Patrick Nielsen, though, ran a 2.40.58 for third. So Andy Boucherot was second. Um, Patrick Nielsen, third. James Kanana, fourth. And Patrick Langer was only down in sixth. But I do remember he got some sort of penalty somewhere along the way. Uh, and Silverno was 11th and then backed it up. Great big field, 35... Uh, Finishes granted some of the latter finishes was 10.51. How the hell do you? I suppose you ran a 4.21. Bad day, bad day at the office, but big, big fields. Um, Although, also rode 5.13. Yeah, not particularly. R- swam 1.11. Crikey, dick. Come on, Kev, sharpen up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the kill side of things. Kill side of things. Sarah Crowley, which we haven't probably mentioned a huge amount on the show, but she's having a storming season. She took out the girls' race again in very fast time, 8.47, uh, rode a 4.40. Lucy Charles was second, again, another person who's having a storming season, and Alexandra Tondur was in third place. And what I love about old... Um, Big difference in price money from the UK. Tell you what, you get 30K here, you get 8K in the UK. Exactly. But quality of field... Um, Love trisplits.com because I can just go. I was about to say, Sarah Crowley, what's she been up to? And she's actually, you go on here, plug her name in. Uh, she won Ironman Frankfurt, as we've just discussed. She also won Ironman Cairns. She's been cranking in the money this year. Only finished 15th at the Ironman World Champs last year. I'd expect to see her moving up the rankings a little bit this year. Two okay, cha- so two championships. So wins. Swanee Noah sent through uh, a great article from tri- triathlonworld.com, which may even be tri- is that website? It was basically he was just saying it's amazing to see how hard. So how fast did you have to go in Frankfurt to make it to Kona? Now different ages. What was really interesting was you want to be in the fifty-five age group because to do in the fifty to fifty-four age group, I think there was eight slots. Is it you number do, of you're slots? Males. Males. This is males. Nine thirty-nine and. 5054. Mm-hmm. But 55-59, 11-35. Nice. So two hour difference between that age group. Rolled to 29th place. Wow. That's pretty crazy. But look at 70 to 74, John. One slot. Look how fast this guy went. 1209. And 70 to 74. Took out that younger age group by two hours. 65 to 69. You uh one slot and 1413. That is amazing, isn't it? That is God, that rolled a long way. One slot in the 65 to 69, and it rolled to 12th place. Yeah. Bizarre. It is bizarre. Well, 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 probably, yeah, well, 29 places in the 50 to 59. I would say if, if you're 
in one of the very populous sort of age groups, and by that I'm sort of talking, oh, is populous a word? Populous, <laughs> well, populous is more of a political term, but popular is probably what you're trying yeah, to say. In, in the 40 to 44 or the 45 to 49, going to these races, <clears throat> I think you've got to, that's, that's your best option in terms of rather than going to another race where it's a bit of a lottery, you don't know who's turning up, might only be a few slots. 40 to 44, 12 slots. You've still got to be good, but because you, 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 you 929. Yeah, on that course, on that day, it was running pretty short. So you're probably saying it's equivalent of maybe like a 9.45, 9.50? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, you need to be that quick. But yeah. it rolls to 23rd place. Yeah. And uh, 45 to 49, uh, 9.45 was um, the, stand, the, the, the time and it rolled to 15th place. So yes, it's very, very competitive fields, but uh, if I was having to qualify you somewhere, I'd be going to a championship race. Loads of slots. Well, Girls get sh- Bugger all, it often shows how many participants they have because girls, there's what, two, four, seven, nine, There's one 14, or two slots per age group. There's like 14 slots for the whole female field. Mm. But I think in, in Rote, I think there was nearly 3,000 guys and it was definitely well under 1,000 girls. Yeah. Um, so that's what's going to happen when you do sort of pro rata system, which in its way is fair and other ways it's not fair. Okay, Austria also happened the week before Germany and uh, again, just in a fast race, Friday took it out. He did, but he didn't go um, super fast. He went a 7.57, which is fast, but we, we know haven't seen it fast. super fast this year, have we? We have not. No, last year was action packed. Well, we did see Tim Don. No, Tim Don went oh, yeah, drill. Yep. He went fast. So it was, wasn't that a world record? World Ironman yeah, Iron world, world record, record apparently. Yep. Yep. You've got the tattoo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tim, Tim Don's my favourite Ironman world record. Nothing to do with Tim Don. It's more to do with the, the publication yep. of the, or the show, show reporting. Nico Lanos, second place. Saw him at Munich Airport. Blast from the past. Yep. So Have you no, uh, Jan Frodeno was first, 7.57, Nico Lanos, 8.12, and Victor Zemetsev, he's still around as well, uh, in 8.12. On the girls' side of things, we did speak to Michelle Vestibu, who only managed to get third. She was saying there was a bit of drafting going on out there. Eva Wutu took it out in 9.06, and Corinne Abraham second in 9.08. We know there was lots of other results um, in the period we were away, but that was just some of the more recent ones. Okay, so one of the piece of news we've got, we've got a few pieces of news, and we're going to talk about it in a few minutes. Slow your sport, speaking down, Bevan. You got, you're in fast forward. Look, calm Just down. Slow it down. Calm down, Bevan. Okay, so um, Century Tuna Ironman Philippines Triathlon in Subic Bay, Philippines. The race is going to be owned and organised, but always owned and organised by Sunrise Events. Don't worry why I'm going this far into it. But to mark the 10th anniversary of the first 70.3 event in the, in the Philippines, they're going to have a full distance race. It's going to be the odd. There's two two odd things going here on here. Is it's a one-off. Um, yeah, that's strange. Which isn't is it? which is strange. It's like well, Philippines. It's booming with triathlon. I wonder why why they're just making it a one-off. Not have it. The, I think they would do well with an Ironman over there. I would guess. So I guess maybe they're doing it as a tester and see what the response is like. And if it goes really well, maybe they'll carry it on. Um, but yeah, the other thing is. And it comes up again with the next story is it's another race that WTC aren't organising themselves. They've got um, their local contractor, yeah, if that's yeah. the right word, doing it. And then there's going to be another. You wouldn't do it, would you? Because they're going to take you. If it goes well, see you later. Who knows what the, the deal is. But it just seems odd that they're going, not odd, it just interesting that they're going back to that model. They're doing the same thing in Norway. There's a 70.3 in Norway in 
Hugensund um, will become the full first distance. full distance Ironman event in Norway in 2018. Originally, it was a 70.3 event, and it's, it'll be owned and operated by WEN Events AS. So there's two races there, and I know there was another one fairly recently as well, uh, where they're getting local organisers to, to arrange the mm. events. Because you do worry, they've got so many events now, 70.3s and fulls, whether the Is athlete right? experience will get a bit diminished and you'll get lost in the system. Um, so I personally think it's probably, if you've got a good, reliable local organiser, uh, seems like a good model to me. In saying that, but we haven't had any feedback on the show. Like, you know, like we'll give WTC or, or what are they called? Wonder. Yeah. Wonder a hard time when they need it. But we don't really get many emails saying their, their experience is dropping. No. Like, they, you know, every everyone who's, you know, even those who are a little bit anti the kind of the corporate, the, 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 everyone admits the experience is great. They deliver. And we haven't heard that there's been a fading of that in the last period of time. No. So, you know, so. Uh, John, we've also got a, a Legends race going to be held at Embram next year. Yes, yeah, so this just came up. Melina sent it through to me. And Embram Man, which is an iconic iron distance race. And if you want to get a part of it, 2019, I'm going there. I'm there taking a camp there. And it is just a beautiful place the bike course is truly epic tour de france style riding you go over the col de zoada plus a couple of other coals uh great place to racing you've heard melina talk about it before it's been around for it's it's, it's one of the longest standing iron distance races on the planet i i know it's over 30 years i don't know exactly what year it did start but what they also run a series of other events on the um, on the same sort of day and, and weekend they often have a french grand prix race there which is itu style athletes we did an olympic distance race there a few years ago as part of epic camp and what they're bringing in now in conjunction with another guy that's organizing it is a legends race and they're trying to get as many legends together to to go and do the olympic distance race not the full iron distance and have a bit of a getting together of them and and also showing the young whippersnappers some of the names and blasts from the past so scott tinley's already signed up rob burrell jürgen zach isabel mouton suzanne nielsen carolyn hubbard um daniello palmucci alec rikasev sven Riedensel and Richard Hobson and I know Melina's also signed up as well uh, so really cool initiative you know we we don't see a lot of we see the odd legend racing here or there but like Melina raced and and wrote and you get Jürgen Zach yeah. sometimes here and there and people like that but really cool concept to actually get them all together doing it over an Olympic distance and uh, and I think some others are going to go along as, as teams and stuff as well so cool concept and, and it's just a fantastic place to go Okay, uh, just on the, on kind of our gear, we have a new performance tri suit, John. We have. So we've had a few requests. So Peter Peter Thaus no, sent through an email, said, "Love the I am Talk gear, but I really want one of those sort of um, speed suits, which you know, the, where, the, where it goes down to your elbow." And so uh, the, the team at the World Triathlon Store have delivered, and we now have a uh, I am Talk sort of try speed suit with the zipper on the front and the sleeves down to your elbow and we've got it in the performance and also the apex model what i would stress is if you're going to order this is check in with the guys first maybe pop them an email to make sure you are 
correct on your sizing. They're very tightly fitting. I haven't tried one myself. Um, so I've, I've got the standard tri-suit and I'm a smaller mat and that fits me nicely. But these ones are very, very tight and they may advise that you go up half a size or a size. So if in any doubt, um, just go onto our page and uh, pop them an email rather than popping us an email. If you go to imtalk.me and then you can go through from there by clicking on... Clicking on, clicking on, clicking on. Clicking on. Bevan, do you know I'm going to I'm going to ring up and try to get high speed internet today at my oh, house. John, don't even talk to me about high speed internet. <laughs> uh, I'm not happy with my neighbour. Click on uh, click on the store on imtalk.me and that'll take you through to our, our page with all the gear. That could be my rant of the week. Neighbour <laughs> and high speed internet, I tell you. Okay, so you check it out. Um, it is a, it's a you know it isn't it's a pretty expensive suit, so make sure you get your size right because it's pretty cool. But you know you don't want to get that wrong. Okay, John, coming up this week. Again, we've got Lake Placid coming up and we've also got France so lots of races coming up we have indeed so last year we had uh, last year Placid was a female only pro race this year it's a male only pro race Heather Jackson took it out the year before that we had Kyle Buckingham and Andy Potts has won the race a few more times and he is the one of the favourites to take it out this year. He's wearing the number one bib, but Torsten has him ranked as second favourite behind Brett McMahon. And if his theory is correct, there'll be about a minute and a half between the two of them. Um, Chris Lieferman's in there, Matt Russell, TJ Toxon, Michael Weiss, a um, bunch of other guys. Justin Deere's in there racing, expected to come in an 8.41. Uh, big, big field, 25 guys, or no, about 30-odd 30, 30 guys uh, in there listed to race. Andrew Yoda, he used to be a um, ITU athlete uh, racing. Be interesting to see how he goes. Obviously no Probably girls. Rhodes. Off. I thought Rhodesy was out. Rhodesy's, is he? Well, I thought I thought he'd pulled the plug, but obviously not. No, no. I saw him ranting about something on Facebook the other day. I can't remember what it was, but no, he's down there racing. There Predicted go. to come in in 17th place. There you go. Rhodesy's still at it. Uh, also, I'm in France. I'm in France and we're going to have uh, Freddie Van Laird is the top seed there on Torsten's ratings and Nico Lanos is down to race. I'd be surprised if he does given that he raced in Austria uh, a few Austria weeks ago. Second, yep. yeah, I suppose that was three or four weeks ago. He could, could double up. Um, Alexandro De Giuseppe and Victor Zemensev and Frederick Cronenberg are the top five seeds according to Torsten but wearing the number one bib will be Victor Del Corral. And the girls? girls side of things we have Carrie Lester huh. is she's got an asterisk next to her name which on Torsten's site means she is uh, registered to do another race within eight days so don't know if she'll turn up or not Lisa Roberts and Annabelle Luxford are your other top three girls along with Emma Billum who was down here in New Zealand racing earlier in the season so Carrie Lester last year absolutely drilled it at uh, Challenge Rote and finished I think it was it was second place um, and she's going to France. I see Scott DeFilippis is down there as well, her partner, so I would assume they might both be there and trying to go for the double. And also we've got the Outlaw. Now the Outlaw the Outlaw is a great racing tri um, triathlon in the UK and it's been really popular pretty much from day one and these guys are an example of how you can be successful in putting on a race outside of the big brands because we don't see that happen that often. You know, And when we say successful, they have 1,500 participants sell out 
pretty much straight away. So it's a great race. It's one of Nottingham's key sporting events. The Outlaw has become almost even more legendary than Robin Hood, the Major Oak, and Brian Clow. Well, Robin Hood, I don't know about, but the Major Oak, Oak I've never heard of, and Brian Clow, who's he? <laughs> Those who have competed the Outlaw Triathlon are remembered in local folklore for having outwitted the Sheriff to complete the 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and 26.2 mile run. And you give your medal to the people at the end, the, to the poor people at the end. <laughs> yeah. As long as you can cover the distances. 17 hours or less you'll become an outlaw six men have completed it every year since the outlaw was launched in 2010 can they come back and finish it for an eighth time this year and will you be joining them as a competitor or a spectator okay brian clifer was a a football manager and player and it seems like it was pretty successful for which team well he was nottingham forest manager in 1980 and how did he do in 1980 i can't actually find that out but yeah so there you go that's who he is Good we should have known that, John. We should have known it. Good luck to everybody racing in the Outlaw. Okay, John. Rant of the week. <sighs> yeah, we're starting with a sigh. It's a good sign. So. Here we go. Went to Kona 70.3 this year. Won it. Won it. Champion. Experienced the age group rolling You start. were pretty happy with it? It was like, I, I was happy because I was starting at the front of the field and, uh, and so it didn't negatively impact on my race. I think it's a great initiative for spreading out the fields. The majority of the people that were on our camp quite enjoyed it. It was a good experience. Coming through transition, wasn't congested, wasn't such an issue with drafting on the bike, didn't really get beaten up in the swim, even though there was people swimming around people. Now, rolling start is not like road, so it's not age group start. Rolling start is you just start when you want to start. Yeah, but this is age group rolling start. So you oh, have your okay. age group, it's grouped together, and you can start wherever you want within your age group based off your swim time. But you don't have to go, if you're the fastest swimmer, you don't have to go first, but they suggest that you do. So it's it, there are roll, general Wait, describe it a bit starts. more to me. So, so, so when so you turn you, up to the swim? So it's at 630, 6.30, okay. they say, right, we're at 6.30, we're starting the males 40 to 44. Line yourself up in the order of your swim, uh, predicted swim time, and we start four of you at a time. Oh, okay. And then at 6.40, we're going to start the female... Yeah. 40 to 44, line yourselves up. Fast and what's the, the gap in the four? Is it just four go, five, four five go? Five seconds. Okay, so, so it's kind of like it, a racing time trial on a bike. That might change from event to event, but at Kona they were starting four people at a time. Worked quite well. Um, but it's, dif it's different. You don't feel like you're racing other mm. people out there. And so I think for events where they have mass participation, big numbers, good, good idea, as long as it's well publicised before you know the race, so you know what you're signing up for. 70.3 Worlds this oh, year. Looking forward to it, John. Champ it's going to be a great swim. Championship race. <laughs> yeah. You're going there, you're going, I'm going to a championship race. I want to race other people. It's a bloody rolling start. That's what I did yesterday, Bevan. Yep. I hit the table. Matt the Albatross was telling me about it, and... I just went, what the hell? You're shitting me. You're shitting your pants on this one, John. Why are you frustrated? It's a championship race. Yep, I agree. Uh, I totally understand why they're doing it. You're trying to minimise the drafting. I am convinced that you would still have a very good, pretty fair race if you did wave starts. And then you get to race against your fellow participants. And they're doing men's and women's different stages yeah. yet. So why yeah. couldn't they just have a bigger gap in the waves? Exactly. You'd still get, yeah. Like if you, well, it's probably a five minute gap now. Why don't you just have like a 10, 15 minute gap? I'm hearing you. It's only a 70.3. Preaching to the converted. Preaching to the choir. It is, I, I just think it's, 
it's a real slap in the face and a dumbing down of our sport. Get it at your average races where it's participation based, non-championship race. At championship races, you're there to race. You are supposedly championship standard. So I just, I'm pissed off about it, Bevan. You're pissed off, John. Yeah, it's not. I'm not impressed at all. Especially as you pointed out, you've got time on your side. You've got plenty of space. Yeah, you could have big gaps. Go if drafting. If you were doing it for drafting, because they're doing it separate days, which is great. Because they're doing it separate days, you can go. Well, why don't we just have bigger gaps so the drafting is left? Like if you put twenty minutes between the starts of each, mm. like how many fields is going to be ten? Yeah. So, so say the, you might have, I don't know, two or three hundred in the in the men's forty to forty four or something like that. I'm guessing. Yeah. No. Jeez, I'd hope there's not more than that. If there is, the so if you, start, if you had, let's say fifteen minute gaps. Mm. Start at six thirty. Last guy's going to be going about about, about, about nine. Mm-hmm. It's only seventy point three. Everyone's going to yep. be in by lunch or you know late afternoon. Yeah. And you do what they did and wrote, and you say you're running an extra K, and it's and you're getting a five minute penalty. That motivates you not you, to draft. Right, there'll be minimal drafting, and and they've to the and they've got a good course over there. It's they've got some hills on the course so that breaks it, it up. It's in um, Chattanooga. Yep. I just think it's a really poor decision. I'm with you, John. I feel your rant. Mm. Okay, John. We're going to do a quick interview with Sandy from Extreme Endurance. John did this interview earlier, so I'm going to slot it in. And then we're going to be back to discuss Avon and Daniela. And we'll lead into the discussion of the week. Here we go. Okay, guys. Uh, very happy to have Sandy from Extreme Endurance back on the show. They've got a new study coming out that's going to. Tell us a lot of the stuff we already know, how good the product is, but um, it's always good to get the science actually backing up what we sort of feel anecdotally. So, Sandy, welcome back to the show. No, I'm glad to be back, John, and uh, congratulations on your uh, uh, victory in the 70.3 in Kona. That's that's That had to be a pretty neat deal. It was very good. And uh, as, as usual, we had the camp athletes uh, having their sample packs and certainly managed to get through a big week of training and then race extremely well, and same sort of deal when we went over to Rotes. So uh, no, we've got plenty of plenty of believers out there. So tell us about um, a new clinical study you've got um, that you guys are going to be presenting at the National Strength and Conditioning Coaches Conference um, in Vegas. Yeah, that was actually completed last uh, last week. Uh, the really interesting thing about the study is that <clears throat> they found a 26% reduction in lactic acid versus the first study we did in, in uh, Germany where we only had a 15% reduction. And so Dr. Beller and I discussed that, and he goes, well, you know, the the, uh, the people that you used in the study in Europe, he said they were most of them are at least almost half of them were pro, either triathletes or runners or cyclists. And he goes, so you take an elite athlete like that, whose uh, <clears throat> thresholds are very high to start with, and to get a 15% reduction, that's pretty remarkable. But he goes, the real number, you know, should be 26% because that's the uh, increase you're going to see with a with an average athlete. So that was huge. We also, again, supported the uh, results of the uh, creatine uh, kinase, the CK level. Mm. They reduced uh, CK levels by six times, which is huge, huge for recovery and muscle damage. And then oxidative stress, we measured that, which is uh, the uh, reduction of uh, free radical damage that you endure uh, during your long training runs. Fantastic. (laughs) And... um 
and did you do that study? Was it a, a, a European-based study, or was it uh, in the U.S.? <clears throat> no, it was in the U.S. It was done at the University of Louisiana, and uh, by, by Dr. Deller, excuse me, Dr. David Bellar. And we're actually going back and doing another study with him on a Wingate study, so we can measure power. Uh, John, a lot of people I'm sure who listens to your broadcast know that you increase power with extreme endurance on a bike, especially if you've got a power meter. Mm -hmm. So many times, I'm sure hundreds of times we've spoken to cyclists who say, you know, they can't believe how much power they increase because they have a power meter. They're not on extreme endurance. They go on extreme endurance a week and they check it and they just, they can't believe the increase. So we've constantly seen an increase in power with with everybody, uh, especially cyclists. You're going to see that between between 10 and 20%. So we're actually going to document that on a double-blind placebo-controlled clinical study. Uh, and uh, so we're going to start that this fall. And so that's that's really exciting. Um, the other product that you know, you've know you released recently and it's sort of um, mark two of, of a product you already had is, is Fuel 5. Now, with Extreme Endurance, we know it's a, it's a pretty unique product that you've got. And but with Fuel 5, you know, it's a, it's a sports strength that, and there's, there's a huge number of different sports strengths out there and, and everybody's um, got their different you know, marketing points. But what, what's the difference with Fuel 5 as opposed to, say, a standard sports strength? You know that's uh, <clears throat> that's that's a great question. Um, when I was visiting Dr. Beller, I said I said uh, David, I said you know how many studies have you done? And he goes, Oh, Sandy, we've done over hundreds of studies. And he goes, Have you you know what results have you seen from some of the products that you've tested? He goes, We've only had three positive results. He says extreme endurance obviously was the best, but he said we've seen it with caffeine and and uh, I think a cherry extract. Uh, a very, uh, I think it was a cherry extract. So it's, you know, we know that caffeine's a, a stimulant and can increase athletic performance. So on Fuel 5 Plus, you know, we not only have, you know, the two complex carbohydrates in there and the two simple carbohydrates, so you don't have a crash. You, a lot of uh, your energy drinks are just based on <clears throat> sugar and you're going to, you know, you're just going to come off that and crash. So you have to have a mixture of both simple and complex and then we added, of course, a great deal of uh, lactate to that product, uh, which is your natural fuel source. And then uh, we put uh, green tea, uh, uh, caffeine from from green tea in there. And so it's it's been a huge success. It's been a very, very, very good seller for us. And I know you used it in Kona and had mm. good success with <clears throat> Absolutely. No, I, I certainly found it's like anything. It just takes a little time to kick in. I remember when I had it, I was coming uh, – coming down from Harvey and along downhill and and hoping it was going to kick in because I was starting to fade and when it did kick in I certainly felt you know a lot more alert so definitely the the caffeine kicked in and as you said it's I, I just find the the flavor of it is um is a lot more palatable and, and less sugary than, than than a lot of the other drinks so works well so anything else happening with extreme endurance you want to share Sandy? Well, no, but I think it's important that you what you said about Fuel Five. So when we developed that formula, it was something we just didn't do overnight. Uh, Jurgen Sessner helped us a lot on 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 his research and 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 his working with triathletes, and <clears throat> so we developed a uh, a very clean, light uh, taste, and <clears throat> so that's why you see so much benefit with it. And it just doesn't have that sugary sweet taste, and that's why everybody loves it. Absolutely. 
Fantastic, guys. Remember to check out xendurance.com and uh, we talk about their products every week. I use them, I believe in them, and uh, what we find time and time again is uh, when we go on camps and so on, we just get fantastic feedback from the athletes. You know, we go through pretty intense weeks of training and uh, and usually we have a race at the end and athletes are often quite worried about how they're going to perform um, with all the training, but they uh, usually come out on top and uh, find their legs are a hell of a lot fresher. So check it out, xendurance.com. Calm. And we are back, guys. So the, one of the big pieces of news this week, and we kind of left, thought we'd leave it to the discussion of the week, was Yvonne Van Vluken. Now, if you listen to my post-race interviews and wrote, Yvonne said, I'm going to release something that's shocking this week. And I, shocking. And I, I kind of thought it was going to be, oh, people were drafting or, you know, that kind of crap. And then she didn't want to say on the show, but then I turned off and I said, well, what is it? And she kind of explained it to me. So then uh, earlier on this week, she basically sent out a uh, on her, her website just a kind of a piece about it. And the, kind of the key points are... It was very much pointing the finger at Daniela Reef, saying um, she was very frustrated by her behaviour in the week leading up to the race, and that kind of accumulated in a few things. She didn't do any of the extra work that pros do in road. So when you when the pros sign up for road, and we'll, we'll discuss this a little bit further, but there is this kind of, road do put a high expectation on what the pros should be there for the public. Mm-hmm. So like I remember even when I was racing there years ago and I, I kind of hung out with Maka for a week and, and there was a lot of work that Maka had to do and he was kind of, I knew he found it very frustrating but he kind of knew he had to do it as well. Um, but so they have to go to the, the, was it, what's the name of that party? Erdinger party. Erdinger party, the pasta party. You know, and it's just the kind of these things that they have to do. Well, well Daniela didn't turn up to any of that so she was very frustrated by that. She was frustrated by the fact that Daniela didn't really stick to the rules in some aspects. So things like having your helmet on the bike before you started and also on the race course, what the deal was is that you weren't allowed to get into the water until the group before you had started their swim. So you only had a very sh- and you actually mentioned this last week in your post-race. Yeah, it's a pretty short warm-up. Yeah, and whereas Daniela actually got in the water while the pros men's race was actually hadn't started, was warming up before that, and all the other pro females were in the pen mm-hmm. getting ready to do that. And so she basically just feels there's a lack of respect for her peers and the sport. And then Brett Sutton came back with a reply, and he's saying ultimately what Brett is saying is that a pro's job is to get ready for the race. They don't have to do any extra work. He doesn't see that it's his job. He sees that it's a competitive sport, seeing, instead of seeing a triathlon as a lifestyle hobby. Uh, and he's saying with the swim start and the bike, he said, well, this is the official's job to kind of keep them in, in that place. So, you know, like but if she tries to get away with it, she gets away with it, good on her. Um, and so that was kind of what's been going around in the ether right now. Your thoughts, John? Uh Oh, I kind of think that she's within her rights to do whatever the agreement is with um, with Road. If they want her to do the other stuff, that should be specified in, in her agreement because I can guarantee you that she would be getting paid a good good oh, appearance, fee appearance fee because the prize money at Road is, is nowhere near as much as, uh, as doing Frankfurt and you would certainly argue that she would get a lot more brand exposure by doing Frankfurt than what she would um, by winning winning Rote because it was a championship race and worldwide it would get get more coverage. I wonder in Germany what gets more coverage about? Uh, Frankfurt. Oh, does it? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I would say she's within her rights to do whatever the agreement states in terms of the appearance side of things. So I think it would be good for her to, to do the other ones, but if it's not part of her agreement, then... Well, well, I suppose that's the question is what did she agree to? Hmm. Because one thing we know of Rote is, like, I remember listening to an interview of Macca and he was showing, he talked about what kind of appearance money he got and it was like 
over a hundred thousand. It was big money he got paid mm. just to be at Rote. Um, and it may even be more. I remember it was a, I remember thinking, far out, that's way more than I ever thought. And but with that, there's the expectation you turn up. Mm-hmm. You know, and you turn up and you do all this work. And and I find it hard to believe that they wouldn't have paid for her to have a lot of money and her not be able to do all this stuff. Now, I don't know. speculation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. But if that's the case and she had signed a contract saying she would be there and she hadn't, well, that's poor form. Mm. When it comes to the other other stuff, though, I think that is poor form in terms of getting an unfair advantage by doing extra warm-up and whether it be not having a helmet on the bike or anything. That's And I I disagree that it's the official's job to maintain the rules. And and it's like, now you've got to respect the rules. The officials are there to pull you into line if you're kind of making a bit of an error but if you blatantly go outside the lines um i think that's that's that is disrespectful to your peers isn't Mm. it because you are getting you know like brett saying well you know why should you do all this work beforehand but you should also stick to the rules within the game exactly you know and if you can get to get a good warm-up well that's an advantage that you get that others don't get but i will agree that a lot of the pros are lifestyle pros and yvonne's a people's champion she's fantastic we love her we get on really well with her but it doesn't mean to say everybody needs to needs to be like that at all. Yeah, and I think I think you've got to decide what you want to be as a you know. We think of Erin Baker. Like Erin Baker was an athlete, you know. Like she she it was a job. She's you know. You guys would have listened to the interview we did with her on Legends over the last few weeks, and she really just saw it as a job. She was doing a job, and she would have ticked the box to make sure she performed at her best. And then you think of like a Chrissy or an Yvonne, and they were real there for the people. Now. The experience you get as an athlete is different because of the kind of athlete you're going to be. Like I think, like Yvonne's experience, you, you read the rest of this report she did and she talked about how it was such an emotional day and you heard the interview we did with her. People love her because of what she gives back to the communities that she races in. And like mm-hmm. she had a terrible race, but she was just kind of overwhelmed with emotion because of the love she got back. And that's because of the love she's always given to the athletes. And Chrissy's like that, you know, like, I think I talked about this on the show. Chrissy just knows how to be a star because Chrissy walks into a room and everyone wants her attention. Mm. And she'll come up to everyone and she'll give them their undivided attention. Like, she's just a star with the people. And, you know, that's who she is as a personality. And she gets... I don't think she does it to get the benefit, but she gets a lot of benefit for it. Whereas Daniela is a bit more standoffish, you know, like, mm. but in saying that, and I wrote down here in my notes here, is that my personal experience of Daniela is that once you get in contact with her, she's really engaging and she's actually she really cool. She's a great person. interview. Yeah, she really is. And she's she's really quite open. She's not a big personality, you know, she's not someone who kind of walks into a room and lights up a room with her energy. But once, you know, she's not sheltered when you actually get a chance to talk to her. So she actually is a really cool champion. But I don't think she's ever going to be remembered as the people's champion like Yvonne. Now, the other thing I would say is there's a massive difference for people um, – like Yvonne and then again comparing to Daniela, when we left the press conference, there was still a queue of people waiting oh, to, yeah. to, to talk to Daniela. Every, the whole, the rest of the room was empty. Everybody else had left. She would have been there for ages and she would have had a lot of other media requirements that we wouldn't have seen during the week that the other athletes wouldn't have had to have done. Um, so, yeah, I think it's... Um, There's a question, but are pros there just to race or are pros there for the supporters as well? You know, and I suppose it's the ultimate question that comes through this. And, and for someone like Yvonne, who really believes in the kind of supporter side of it, that's obviously why this rubs her the wrong way. But I think it's more Yvonne was frustrated with the lack of turning up to the things that I th- I don't know, but I think that they're expected to be at. Mm-hmm. And if she was, if she had signed a contract to say she was going to be there, then that is a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because every other pro, like Yvonne said, she said, I was out there for five hours a day before the race mm. and all the other pros were and I was tired. Well, and if Yvonne, if Daniela had said, I'm going to do that and didn't, well, that is a competitive advantage. Absolutely. You know, if she'd gone into it and said to the challenge, look, I'm not going to do any of this work, but, you know, well, fair enough. So it really depends on what she signed up for. Mm. Interesting stuff, John. It is. Now, do you want to have a discussion of the week around that or do you want to do your No, no. Uh, so this week's discussion of the week, we, I mentioned before about the Legends race that is going to Man this year, and fantastic concept, I think, um, and it'll be a lot of fun to see a lot of the old uh, donkeys out there racing. But <laughs> <laughs> to see the legends that are now donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> but what defines a legend in your eyes within our sport at an elite level? So we don't want to be putting down the, the Rick and Dicks because they are legends, but they're slightly different. But what classifies an elite athlete as a legend because some of the names on that list they were fantastic athletes but I probably wouldn't have called them legendary certainly Rob Burrell Scott Tinley Jürgen Zach Isabel Mouton Suzanne Nelson people like that and Molina I'd say they're legendary Definitely. but for you what do you need to be to be classified as a legend as an athlete as an athlete you know elite, obviously elite athlete obviously being on legends of triathlon Yes. No brainer, but yeah. what else on top of that? So we'll put that up and you can go and add to our Facebook page on that discussion. Okay, John, I'm going to put some music on. Dun, 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 root vs. Corner! Boom, boom! This is as big as, what's the big boxing fight coming up? Oh, <laughs> McGregor and um, Mayweather? Yeah. It's going to be a joke, isn't it? I would assume so. I, like, I think McGregor, if they got into a fight... It'd be like me versus you. Oh, <laughs> it'd be a there. <laughs> I'm not a fighter. Bo- celebrity boxing, you kick my ass. I probably would because I do more strength work. Yeah. You know, but I'm not a fighter. Yeah. I, I got asked, there's a guy in CrossFit who asked me to do it like 10 times, and I always, oh, look, I'm busy there weekend. <laughs> I'm loving not a fighter. Um, John. Road, road versus Kona. Okay, so John's done a pretty big update here, so tell me, tell well, me what no, you think. No, this... Um, I got prompted to do this the other day. So I compare, somebody said compare Rote to Kona. And I thought, that's a good idea. And so I sort of actually went through some of the stats and, and uh, there was some, especially on the bikes, I found a few interesting aspects that okay, came so out. Okay, so we'll look at the race and we'll look at the experience as well. So Rote, um, in terms of, so first up, the swim. This year in Rote, it was a bit slower than usual. It was, from the, st- the, the watches that I've seen, around 100 to 150 metres long. Oh, so it was long, you reckon? Yeah, and uh, well, I saw one watch that was about right, one that watch was a little bit more Murray's. <laughs> Poor Murray old Murray. And a shot. His measured 4 point something or other oh, kilometres. And then day. it only showed one direction. I was like, what is going on with your mm. watch? Time to upgrade, Murray. Um, but it, it just in general, it seemed like it was two minutes slower. What I would say about the swim and rote, awesome vibe when you're getting in the water um, and oh, it's, it's really cool when you're coming towards the end you come under this bridge and you do about another 400 metres and from that point on you've got crowds around you the whole time and you can hear the... So the, you do feel the atmosphere you do you? feel the atmosphere and you can hear the hear the, the MC going nuts and uh, yeah really cool vibe and so yeah so it's and, and also amazing for spectators 
Yeah. Like, you know, like Kona's pretty good. Actually, well, I would say it's probably slightly better for spectators mm -hmm. because you can see, you, you lose them a little bit as they go to the far end, mm -hmm. but you're probably watching two thirds of the swim. Yep. Yep. And in terms of Kona, the swim, it is, from an athlete's point of view, by far the best swim that I've ever done anywhere in the world. Why? Because you're swimming fresh water. Yep. It's nice and warm. You can see the fishies. And it's got a lot more history and buzz around the start, I, I kind of feel. You're at the World Championships. It's the pinnacle event of our sport. And it's just when you're in the water, you're crapping your pants going, this is, this is the big time. And you're bobbing out there. And it's a mass start. So you've got huge numbers. So I'd say the Kona swim experience from an athlete's point of view is you, you cannot beat it anywhere else. I reckon it's the best ever. And as a spectator, it's still pretty cool as well. Now, the, the probably, be early, you've early got to be early. Yeah, you've got to be be, you know, John and I are always lucky because we have the media pass so we can very much just turn up and slot in but it, it's you've got seriously you probably need to be there two hours before so that's one disadvantage but it is pretty cool because it's basically like a, a human or like a, na a nature amphitheatre isn't it mm. and uh, you do lose them for a lot of the swim but the atmosphere is pretty great as well so I would say a spectator on par yeah Yep. Um, right, this is where it becomes interesting on the bike, and this is where we'll, we'll plug one of the sponsors as well, trainexhale.com, because what I was doing here is kind of comparing data files, and that's what you can do on Exhale, is you can go on there, and, and so I could pull like my Ironman New Zealand file, uh, tap um, uh, a rote file, and, and, and my other rote files, and, and Kona files, and you can all sort of superimpose them, and that's you can really start comparing your different performances um, so for example in Ironman New Zealand I remember I went far too hard at the start of the bike and then I would be able to see in rote, in rote where I had a much better performance you'd be able to see how the curve is a lot flatter so you can kind of compare your bike files so check that out guys at trainexhale.com and, uh, and we'll go into a bit, bit more of that in detail over the next little period because I'm actually going to get them to actually come up with some visuals for you guys to have a look at. So the distance that I recorded and wrote was 178.5k, so it was a bit short. Um, as opposed to Kona, I kind of consistently see that it is pretty much bang, on, bang on, on distance. Only ever so slightly in Rote's defence is um, I think you'd, you would have more distance in there if you stuck to the side of the road. Whereas in I guess you don't actually think it's that far off. Uh, no, it's definitely still short but it might be closer to 179Ks as opposed to 178. So you're still a little bit short, but there isn't really anywhere they could tack on the distance just easily. Yeah. It would be silly because you'd be riding up a street 500 metres and turning around because it is a loop course, as opposed to Kona, which is an out and back, so it's really, no you put the turn yeah. around at the right place. So road is definitely a bit, a bit short, which kind of sucks um, when you're talking records and what have you. Speed, this is where it becomes quite interesting. Because I looked at um, Daniela Reef and Jan Fredino's bike times in Rote versus Kona, and they're about 20 minutes quicker when they go to Rote, which is massive. Yeah, um, even though the course is a little bit short, it's a significant difference. And you say, okay, that's fine. Well, I wonder if John was 20 minutes quicker. But this is, I looked at my time, I did 4.52 in Rote, yep. and, and I rode 233 watts in normalised power. In Kona, I rode 5.06, and I was 5 watts lower at 2.28. So why do you, so it was a nutrition that blew up in Kona, wasn't it? Yeah, so the bike, I, I didn't have a great ride in Kona, but I also had the drafting penalty. But So there's 5 watts difference. So wait, does that time include the drafting penalty? No. Okay. No. And 13 minutes difference in time. 
I thought that's quite significantly different to the pros. You know, seven minutes there, plus I rode uh, higher output in in road. So if I'd had a comparable power output, I would say the difference might be ten minutes. Yeah. Um, so oh, I'll have a look at Phil's file. Identical. Oh, really? <laughs> he rode uh, five watts higher in rote. He rode a five oh three. And then in Kona, he did 5.16. So again, 13 minutes difference. So there's two age group files. And that's, again, that's N equals 2. So it's not um, massively comprehensive. N equals 2. Like <laughs> but 13 minutes for, for two good age group athletes as opposed to 20 minutes for the pro athletes. I think what that really shows is why perhaps we don't see the improvements in times in rote from back in the Mark Allen days when they had a much cleaner run at the course. So Frodo and Reef at rote, both years they've had a clean run at the course. They are just 100% time trialling off the front. Maybe slightly different for Daniela because she's got some age group guys around her. But Frodo's had a clean runner as opposed to Kona. He's spending a huge amount of his time in a, in a pace line and the pace is varying significantly. Mm. You do get variations in obviously weather in Kona, but that was, um, I thought that was a really interesting observation that mm. age group times were nowhere near as uh, significantly altered as, as opposed to the pros on the bike. Um, the elevation. It'd be interesting if we get hold of their power files, wouldn't mm. it? You'd see what kind of power. What, what yeah, outage, absolutely. You know, like if you could see Frodo's last year. When he, when he smashed the bike and wrote, and you know, in comparison to probably not last year's Kona because he had a bad day, but the day, year before, where he, mm. you know, absolutely elevation difference. Uh, wrote is certainly not flat, it's 1400 meters of elevation through the day, as opposed to Kona, which is I got 1917, so a bit more climbing there. But if you ever want to go to wrote, telling you now, it is not flat. The surface is uh, both pretty similar at both races. Ro the big difference with Rote is it is there's, there's no crap on the road, there's no glass. I, I mean, I know we had one camper, um, Lee got a few punches on the bike. I think she might have pinched her t t tube a little bit, but very, very yeah, few punches. Lucky, wasn't she? Very yeah. few punches. Yep. As opposed to Kona, there's a lot more crap on the road and the risk of getting a punch is significantly higher. Um, the the, the support and the spectators in Rote, Rote, beats any other race anywhere in the world. Well, and I said this quite a few times on the show, I, I think it may be the best endurance sport event in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, like, because the, the Tour de France, be amazing at Tour de France, but you wait all day, they come by and see you later. Mm -hmm. And wrote, it's a day experience. Mm -hmm. and, and like, you know, I've experienced both. And normally what you do in Kona, so Kona, our Kona day is get up, you watch the swim, it's awesome. You go up to, was it Palani Hill? Palani, yeah. Palani Hill, you go up to Palani Hill, and that's really cool, but it's Wicked. not, it's not, it's nowhere like Solera. No. You know, so like, you know, like it's, Solberg, sorry. Um, it's it's nothing like that, and so you're kind of. It's still cool. Mm. It is really cool, but it's it's yeah. donkey's years away. And then and then you've got to go find a TV. Yeah, you know that's that's your day. And then you go sit by TV for three or four hours, coming back to town for the run. Mm. So whereas in road, man, you can hang out all day on that bike course. It mm. is rocking, it yeah. is, and it is. Even as a spectator, you're just it's just mind blowing. Absolutely. It's it's so cool. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, that, that hill Solarberg. It's you know, you, you go from the swim, you walk through the little town, it's a real cool atmosphere. There's just mm. there's just a buzz about it that's really cool. So as a supporter, it's a much better the bike experience is much better. In terms of the aid stations, uh 
wrote, I'd say, on the bike, slightly better positioned um, aid stations on the bike because they position them really nicely on climbs, so you're not hitting them at super, super high speeds, as opposed you do get a couple of those in Kona where it's pretty hard just to get, get a drink bottle. Um, when it comes, and I'll go into the run later on, so I'd say aid stations on the bike, both more or less the same in terms of what they provide, but I'd say Rote is slightly better positioned. Drafting in Rote, uh, from my perspective, I didn't really see too much. There was some groupings and things like that, but there was enough space out there that if you didn't want to draft, you didn't you, you, you didn't have to draft. Yeah, admittedly, when we drove from bike to run, we did see a little bit. Mm. Um, it wasn't massive, but we did see a couple of people like, oh, you, you're definitely sucking the wheel here, mate. You know, so there was a little bit of it happening. And from most of the feedback from the campers was that it wasn't too bad. It was, yeah, there was still some of it out there, um, but I just kind of felt that there was, and it seemed to be enough space if you wanted to make the choice not to draft you could well and the penalty is such a deterrent isn't it like the penalty really puts you off the idea of not doing it so I guess yeah Kona I basically won't go there again because really you you wouldn't do it again I don't think you can do a good race without drafting in terms of it's just you're either sitting up or you unless you're an absolute axe on the bike and an absolute swimmer yeah it's it's, you, you cannot not draft it's just unless you ride easy and just it's just, it seemed impossible to have a, have a good fair race. So you can't actually have a very fun ride because your whole time's consumed by not being drafting. Absolutely. Okay, so yeah. so it actually ruined your bike experience. Maybe they should do a rolling age group wave start. <laughs> I reckon that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so run? Run, uh, the elevation profile. Now, I didn't really, for whatever reason, nobody seemed to get a very good run file and wrote that I could see. Ballpark, it's around about 400 metres of elevation gain from what I could sort of gather. My watch was playing up and it seemed like everybody else's was as well. But ballpark, 400 metres. There's very few purely flat kilometres where you can just get into a groove. There's quite a few turns and corners and bridges. So interesting run, um, but not certainly not the fastest and quite hard to, to get into a really good rhythm. Kona is quite different in terms of the, um, I'd say the elevation profile is somewhat similar. There's a lot more up and downs in, in Kona than what some people might think. And what you see the pros running along, it kind of looks flat, but it's certainly not along. A lot of false drive. flats, isn't it? A lot even, of false you know, flats. Even when you come back into town, that's false mm. flat. There's not, again, there's not heaps of Ks that are purely flat running. Mm. But the big difference in Kona to Rote is it straight line running. So yes, there might be the variations, but you can get into a nice groove and a nice rhythm and just yep. be straight line running. Uh, so in that respect, I kind of liked Kona a bit more from getting into a groove. The surfaces that you have over there, road is mostly road, but you do have a few sh- stretches where you're running on a little bit of a forest um, forest road, so a bit of shingle, and you also have a bit of the... And did the, you like that? Yeah, it's nice for a bit of variation. And then you have the stretch down by the canal, which now is only... A couple of k's, which again is really hard packed shingle, so that's a nice little bit of variation. Bit of relief. You do have the, some cobbles when you go through the town centre. What is it? Must be four times, I guess. Uh, and that's pretty rough going. Again, it's nice. It makes it more interesting. But from a getting into a groove running perspective, it was pretty rough. And it's pretty like because in Europe we did a lot of running, and I tell you what, it was definitely hard on your body running on mm. cobbles. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just short. No, but it just you know your knees kind of feel a little bit more because you mm. know your stabilisation as your foot lands is so much more demanding. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's maybe a couple of hundred meters, uh, whereas Kona is all on the road. Aid stations in Rote were good, except they didn't have ice. Uh, oh really? They had. It was. Uh, it was a bit of an odd explanation. So Felix came into the 
race briefing the day before and said, because it's going to be such a hot day, we're going to have these ice packs out there. And they had 10,000 10, ice packs. So they were a little like ones. Yeah, yeah, I know the ones we used fr- for the runners. Yeah. Uh, I only tried one and it didn't really do it for me. Kona is the gold standard for aid stations as far as I'm concerned. They have everything on tap. Always seem to have ice. This is from my perspective in the field. It might be different if you're, yeah, 15, you're fast, 16 yeah. hour, but and this is the same with seventy point three. You, you you don't get hot. You you, well, you do get hot, but there's plenty of ice. And and they had some weak excuse in Germany that ice hurts your skin, and it's scientifically not that great. But in all my experiences, which are non-scientific based, getting ice is gold yeah. on the run yep. so i'd say kona takes that one put it um, down your pants get a frozen woolly but exactly, keep moving your legs exactly. <laughs> put it on your cap it's great when you put ice in your cap yep. uh, just a couple of other things um, from an athletic point of view the post-race area in rote was fantastic they had a big tent um, showers. showers which is gold and great perving both <laughs> no, for both sexes no, it wasn't not you'd, good you'd hope it's great perving, but it's really not <laughs> apparently it was all out to sea yeah. <laughs> everyone was saying oh it's all out that is something to factor into your <laughs> the germans love their sausages john yeah <laughs> is full on shared nudity in that area, yep. uh, and really good food um, at at Rote in terms. They of really did, didn't it? It was it was great. Lots of sandwiches, sweet stuff if you want that. S- the soup was fantastic. They had sort of yogurts and smoothies and and beer if you wanted that. So it was um, yeah. The post race food I thought was really good. Kona, you're in the open air. The food is getting a little bit better. Logistically, it's just harder for them there. If they put up a big tent in Kona, it's going to be so bloody hot, you probably wouldn't hang out in there anyway. No. But the big tent in, in Rote, for me, worked great. There was a bench there. I lay down on that bench for you about three hours. You guys saw the photo on Facebook. <laughs> I think about 20,000 people saw the photo. So the, po- the post-race area was, was good. Prize giving, Kona, fantastic. They do a big award show. Yeah, it goes on a bit because you've got so many age groups. And they often do the, the Hall of Fame that in there as well. Yeah. But it's a, it's a, it's an event, and you get the sit down meal, and it's sit down meal style food. Yeah. But you've got your and there's heaps of food. It's never food. you know big eaters. And it's and it, <coughs> you get your your free Kona Brewing Company beers. It's and and you really really good opportunity to socialise. It's a real big event. Rote is basically an award ceremony. There's there's no food or anything like that. They do do it really well and keep it rolling nicely. But it is basically people going up and getting their their trophies and, and that's done and dusted. So yep. quite a different experience there. Uh, and the final thing would be the expo and wrote it is ginormous. It's huge. We, we talked about it on the. It's, the, uh, it's the, a really good one too, it's, isn't it? It's massive. It's good for a few reasons. A, it's got all the stuff you expect to see at an expo and good end. You know, good end stuff that you kind of probably don't need to see. But just the kind of how they made a really good social atmosphere. So there's lots of little kind of kind of restaurants or you know mm-hmm. where you can sit have open air, open air meals and, and yeah so it's just a it's a place where you will hang out mm. it's not just kind of, you know a lot of races you go to the expo kind of walk around for half an hour and go home whereas this you you know your family and friends can come you can spend a few hours there and and you know that's really good uh kona due to its location being so isolated out in the middle of nowhere you just don't get the same amount of industry going there and for that reason expo is still fine but it's reasonably small but comparison to rote you know it's probably a quarter to maybe a third the size of of of, um, of road is huge, and it's just it's easy to get there. It's got a massive population base. It's kind of fine, and there was was more freebies in Kona. You could try a lot more, try a lot more little different things over in Kona. So we like our freebies, uh, but that was a difference in the expo. So yeah, I, 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 Rote's expo is ten times better because Kona really is. You go day one, you walk around once. Mm. 
and you only go back if you needed something. Mm. Whereas rope, you could pretty much go to it every day. And the other thing rope do really well is they have the little vents around it. Yes. Like in Kona, they'll have speakers on the stage mm. and stuff like that. Whereas you know the the party, the run that we did, yeah. you know all those little kind of kind of social events that they have leading up to it is also really engaging as well. So, so overall, John, both fantastic events. Yeah, they really both are. They just need to tweak things ever so slightly. Yeah, both both both. <clears throat> Both are just pretty special races, and we're lucky our sport has two such amazing events. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Kona's got the history, mm-hmm. um, but the Bruce has pretty amazing history as well. So, nice. yeah. Anyway, you know, if you're a lucky athlete, you should get to do both of them. Let's see. Yeah, Hit me with some music. Here's some music. Coaches corner. corner. I see that I get a. a, a, yeah, yeah, a yeah. You're a coach as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we lots of people are asking, "What's next for me?" Yeah, what's next for you, John? I'm pretty satisfied with the performance. You were. So Did you have you listened to the post race interview? I haven't yet. Oh, I listened to it. It's gold. Because <laughs> you actually <laughs> saw Ian Wood at the pool this morning. He said. You sounded pretty tired when you finished, a bit emotional there. I was like, yeah, I was pretty tired. Well, it's really funny because we go from you doing your post-race kind of wrap-up last week in the show when we were in the hotel, and I instantly put you on after, and it just contrasts. That's <laughs> really good. So my plan now is, uh, well, I'm actually taking the kids skiing tomorrow for a few days. Nice. But uh, no, Plenty of snow, look at that. I know. Well, the weather forecast isn't looking great for the next few days. We're mm. getting more snow on the way. Uh, but my plans now, no specific try plans. I'm thinking about... About trying to run oh there's joe hey joe um planning on seeing if i can run fa- fast 5k that's sort of what i'm sort of looking at and at what moment. would that be what are you right now oh right now goodness right now i would say if i was to run a fast 5k geez i don't think i'd be massively under 17 minutes i reckon i'm about 17 and a half right now myself really yeah i'm not yeah, that fast I, I think i can nudge under 17 um but the goal would be to try to get to, to 16 minutes um which will be a tough ask but I think it's possibly doable, but that's sort of what I'm just going to put out there, and I'm not quite sure if I'll then just carry on with that over winter or not. Do you not fear injury? Sorry? Well, you know, when you go fast. Yeah, no, you just got to train appropriately. If, if I was to go and run five 1Ks as maximum as fast as I could now, I'd probably be broken for a good good <laughs> week or so, or if not longer. But, you know, just got to build into it, progressively build in, and no, I'm not too concerned about injuries. I think you just adapt to those, adapt to it. So, yeah, I will be doing some proper speed work and seeing how fast I can get. So that's my little short-term plan. Longer term, you know, we're going to do these camps in 2019. So we have Epic Camp uh, through the Pyrenees in sort of late July 2019. So I'll get in shape for that, which sounds like a long way off. It's two years off, but time flies me having fun, Bevan. It does indeed, John. And I'm going to do Ember Man in 2019 as well, but I'll be doing that more as a... Um, enjoying the day i think it's gonna be the first time i go into a race yes i'll still be racing hard but i probably won't really be looking at my numbers i'll just be out there to have a nice steady enjoyable day which is going to be quite a different experience mm. yeah which would be cool and, and then on the tri front yeah i'm not sure where i'll go to haven't really got any imminent plans the nelson said, triathlon so the nelson triathlon you do yeah. that much years don't you probably do a few do a few yeah. little sprints and stuff here and there and 
start doing a few more bucket list things. Yeah, so Embra Man and... Uh, Do you see a Norseman in there? No, Norseman's not really on my bucket list. Um, I'm going to come up... Uh, you, if Actually, you've prompted me now. I'm going to come up with okay. my... John's bucket list of races. Okay, here we go. Coming your way in the next few weeks. Okay, the bucket list. I just think we've had such a good time in Rote. The athletes had such a good time. And so I'm, I'm keen to do more camp-related um, events because that's a way that... It's makes, just a, make sure I can get there as well. Yeah, and it's, and it's just, a cool experience. Yeah, and I guess it, it was a cool thing about the camp was that the camaraderie, just the friendships, but also on race day, everyone was saying it's so cool to go to a race where you got so many people out there racing with you who mm. you know and you have these experiences with, and it was just yeah, it was really great. So I think yeah, Ember, do that, Ember man, and uh, and maybe look out for a few more of those things coming your way. So we've got Kona as well. Don't know if I'll race Kona next year again. I may, I defending may, champion. That's true. <laughs> Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Defending champion. You don't want to go there half assed No, and, you, you got to go peak. Yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Bevan, what's your plans now? Well, I was planning. How's that hammy? Oh, you know, it actually came all right. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm, like, I do pull that hammy a little bit, and I know how to deal with it really well. So I'm, I'm really responsible. Heat, strength. I don't actually put too much flexibility in when I'm trying to get it strong, but and luckily I, I was worried about last night. I teach a pretty high impact class last night, and it was actually fine, so that's good. I, I haven't ran since wrote, but I'll probably run and start running again next week. For me, I was going to do a marathon October November, but now I've, I've been asked to go over to Amsterdam for work for a couple of weeks, which is really you cool. had such a good time in Amsterdam. So and you decided what? to go right. back, <laughs> so it's kind of thrown me off. So I've actually changed my my year plan because I've got to qualify for um, New York. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to take the easy route, unfortunately, which I didn't want to do. I wanted to, not that it's an easy route, but I wanted to do the marathon to qualify, but it's just not going to work out the way of timing of races and also the time I'm going to be away. So I'm actually pulling back from running a lot right now. I'm going to do a bit of strength work in the gym and just keep maybe two or three light runs in a week right through to October. And then after that, I'll probably pick up a little bit of running just consistently with kind of sessions, probably four sessions mid-September. Um, and then I'll run when I'm over in Amsterdam and then come back and I want to try to do a pretty decent time in Queenstown for the half. So I only have to do 125 to qualify for New York. Mm. So it should be pretty achievable, but it is a slow course, Queensland, Queenstown. So, um, but I'd like to do it well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so then once I get back from the old, I'll probably only have eight weeks to really smack it out, but I want to get nice and strong right now. So I know I can get injury free through that time period and then, you know, try to do a good fast. Look, it was funny. I haven't raced in such a long time. I did that race and wrote and it was, wasn't really a race because I just ran by myself. But it's nice to be, be in a race again, Absolutely. you know, and, and also I was quite happy with that run because I'm not that as fast as what I used to be and I ran it quite wisely and I was able to really push hard at the end and so that's, you know, that's how you want to ra- run a race, isn't it? Absolutely. So, anyway, that's me, John. Uh, let's do a sponsor now. Sponsor. Athlinks.com. So I'm kind of relieved, well, Athlinks is telling me that... Uh, it's probably a good thing that I raced in 2017, not 2016. Because what I love about athletics, you can quickly go to an event, you know, plug in Challenge Rote, and you can go in there and you can see all the results in one place really quick. Oh, so wait a second, you wouldn't have done as well? Oh, no. I mean, the year before. Yeah, but, the, but, but hey, the run change. The run change. I reckon it's probably cost you three minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you reckon it cost you? The combination of the change and the heat I think it was more like five minutes okay so um, you reckon if, if it was the same conditions you did 10 years ago I reckon I would have been bang on the money three hours bang on in the run okay yeah. and so that means you would have done like an 848 something yeah. like that and even that wouldn't have quite been enough because athletes can tell me all the years in one place really easy uh, the previous so I did 854 and that got me third place in the age group previous year 
8.44 first, 8.46 second, 8.47 third, 8.49 fourth, 8.50 fifth. God, I would have only got seventh in the age group with an 8.54. And you wouldn't have got that big trophy. I wouldn't have got that big trophy. No. And I wouldn't have got to, got to stand on the stage. So I posted a picture. Some of you, you guys look like, You do that. look like the Hobbit. When I was on the stage and I was like, why can't I bike as fast as all these dudes? I, I train really hard. And I was like a midget. These guys were monsters. <laughs> the guy standing in front of me had blocked the sun out of the world. <laughs> and he was a step down from me. So, yeah, on Athletics, I can go on here. And then you can also go, okay, so I got this place this year. If I'm looking at the previous year, we've got somebody on there, Paul Lunn, who I think is a listener of the show. He finished fifth in uh, the year before. He did 8.50.53, solid result. And then you can go and see, okay, well, if he did 8.50 there, what's he like elsewhere? And it, by his athletics profile, he looks like he's going off to, to Kona this year, which will be good to see how Paul goes over there. But then I can go on there. He did eight. Uh, he did eight fifty there. And then he, where else has he been? He'd been to Barcelona and went eight fifty seven there. And you can kind of see people's progress. So check it out on athletics.com. You can go on there, and you, I can see all the other distances he's done. His Turkey Trot ten k. He ran thirty six fifty four. I'm in Barcelona eight fifty seven. Dative Challenge wrote eight fifty. I'm in Nice nine twenty eight. There you go. So you can go on there. Check out everybody's results, athlinks.com. And make sure you put your own results in as you do your races, like John would have done for road. Okay, John, let's go for website oh, of the, the week. week. And just giving some love to one of the best. You, do you think it's the best news website? It's, it's, it's you know, Slow Twitch has traditionally been sort of a lot of people's go to website for news and what's going on in, in the, the triathlon world. I certainly feel like the triathlon magazine and things like that, it's really, that's gone. Low end for the not low end, beginner. but for begi- beginner type athletes. Do, do magazines even still exist? Well, their website is is, is much the same. It's, okay. it's low end articles in terms of uh, beginner stuff. Um, but Slow Twitch kind of has all the race results and has some some good interesting articles and interviews as well. Um, and so I think Triathlon World is a real serious competitor for them. And one of the main reasons that they are website of the week is they put up twenty two pictures from. Um, from Kona, uh, from Rote, uh, Kevin McKinnon was over there, met yeah. him very briefly, and uh, one of the pictures that he posted was that one there. Oh, back it up! <laughs> uh, back it up! Okay, well, where do I find this? Well, um, Phil sent it through to me. Challenge Rote recap, maybe? Yeah, maybe something. Uh, so there's a picture of me on the run, running past the Erdinger cheerleading squad in uh, the uh, I Am so Talk, talk uh, tri-suit looking... Looking like I'm going That's a okay. great photo. I'm wondering, I'm thinking that might have been early in the run. Turn around, turn around, turn around so I can see it. Oh, mate, and the girls look so happy to see you. They did, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but no, aside from that, um, Kevin McKinnon was over there. I'm not sure who else is over there. They've taken over First Off the Bike, which was the Aussie website that focused on long course racing. And look, they look like they're doing a really good job in terms of good triathlon news, up to date, covering all the distances and sort of 70.3 and iron distance, and, and as well as some, some short course but seems like good reporting, good interviews, lots of good photos, nice, nice, easy layout to follow, and got the, uh, the key information, haven't they? You know, yeah. like it's it's a funny world, media world nowadays. And and as we commented on Kona last year, how there seems to be a lessening of media. You know, there, mm. there seemed a significant drop in the two years since we'd been back. And um, you know, we need these guys to be doing good work. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the fact that Kevin and his crew are actually out there doing this, the hard yards. John and I, we, we're lucky because we're more of a kind of comment show. We get to look at this and just comment on it. Whereas 
you know, actually reporting is a lot harder work. And so, you know, we want to make sure we're supporting sites like triathlonworld.com. So uh, check it out. Triathlonworld.com is this week's website of the week. Jumbo, do you want to do Wang of the Week after questions and answer? Uh, we normally do. No, we'll do it now. I'll quickly pull it up. Okay. Wanger of the week. It's been a while. What are you going to do? Has been a wanger of the week. Uh, pick a number between uh, one and nine. Seven. My mum's favourite number. Total duration of training oh, last week. Oh, here we week. go. Okay. Total duration of Total duration. Training. Total duration of training. Oh, God. Mel Seltiel, race uh, run director. No, not run. Bike director at Challenge Monica. Really? Took out the overall preem. But do you think it's correct? Yeah, she might have gone for a big, big long session. But she, so she's trained in essence one day, one hour, 46 oh, minutes. Oh, one day. And 30, 30 I read that as 100 hours. No, one, one day. So I, was like, I was like, that's not realistic. Yeah, so 20, 25 hours, 46 minutes. The second place, Andrew Kerr, probably thought he was going to take it out. Diplodocus. He did a day in 14 minutes and 24 minutes. And Paul Yoda was in third place in 25 hours, 52 minutes. That's crazy when you think about it. A whole day of your week has gone to training. Mm. And your seven days of your week, one whole of those days, it's been out there training. And uh, Melissa Uri, who we had on a while yeah, ago, she's did the there. Kona, the, the Epic Five, still cranking out the hours. Seven, she was second female in 17 hours. So good times. Joe Combe in third for the females. Paul Yoda second and Ben Boyd number three in the men's. So there you go, John. What, I don't know if we brought this up on the show, but we have the Kona Award for 33rd place in total training time. Yeah. This week went to Pat Cade. Nice work, Pat. I was very close to finishing 33rd. Oh, were you? <laughs> I finished 35th. I thought I finished 34th, but I seemed to be relegated a spot yep. to 35th. And I did get third check, though, so there was two checks in front of me, so I was actually probably 37th. Okay. So pretty close to getting 33rd. I just pulled my finger out a little bit, had that perfect yeah. race. How far off were you? I'm not quite sure, but it wouldn't have been that much. No. Just, yeah. Well done, Paul Kate. Oh, sorry, Pat Cade. Okay, so you can check it out. Uh, make sure you're on our Strava page. Questions and answers. See what I did there? I knew what he was doing. Okay, so Tony Hodge, the legend that she is, just sent us through an, uh, kind of an update on what was the viewing experience like. So we've talked about the race experience and the spectator experience of, of Rote versus Kona, but she actually watched both Rote versus I'm in Frankfurt. She's on the same and, time. Yeah, and she sent us through a really good kind of report, and John's just kind of done some bullet points here, so talk us through it. We'll go one for one, eh? So she said the challenge live stream video coverage was not great um, for the English-speaking yeah. person. It was it was sort of German with somebody sort of speaking English over the top of it. So from what she saw, the, the live stream wasn't great. She said Frankfurt was great she said it was really really championship level mm. I, look, I don't i'm quoting I'm, I'm making this up but i'm, I'm, th I'm assuming it's kind of like kona level yeah and, and and that was one of the big challenges i think they had this year is with challenge wrote and frankfurt being on the same day i think the german media were gravitated towards frankfurt because they had probably had keenlay there they had their german favorites um it's a championship race and probably just had a bit more weight behind it so i think they did yeah the, Sounds like they did a better job in terms of the video footage for non-English speaking countries. Uh, she's saying that drones are definitely the future for swimming. She said drones covered the swim in Frankfurt and she said it was, it was pretty amazing. Drones are awesome. They really are cool, aren't they? Yeah. You know, because you can just have birds eye view. Absolutely. You know, like it's pretty great. Yeah, she said the GPS tracker for Rote was great. It really was because basically, my, like I didn't really get to be a spectator of the run. Basically, I saw you guys go to the first 
a couple hundred meters. You were eating your ice cream when I started. I missed you because I was ordering the ice cream, and then someone goes, "John, John!" <laughs> and then Murray lost his food, so I ran down the road, pulled my hamstring, trying to catch Murray up, trying to get his food, but that didn't work. But um, but then once I went to the tent, I could just go see where you were, and it was mm-hmm. it was just tracking. It was perfect. It was really great. Now I could see all the athletes on the camp. And this was the difference over there. That, so we weren't carrying a GPS track or anything like that. But there was a lot of timing that's out there that how you they, ran how, across. How were they? So I don't know if they did estimated the, 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 the GPS tracking must have been estimated based on your running speed, how quickly you're going to get to the next spot. But there was a lot of timing mats out there, both on the bike and the that, run. Oh, that must have been how they'd done it because it was it was like I was watching you run. Mm. But so not, not literally, just but been like a computer graphic. Oh yeah. wow! So I assume. And she said the leaderboard tracking for rope could do better with filtering by age group. Mm. So I think she's saying she, Ironman definitely win this one by quite a lot in terms of the live coverage. Um, yeah, it certainly seems that way. Mm, so there you go. So uh, it's interesting with the Collins Cup being in Challenge Road next year, mm. and if we you know we went to the media conference and you know they're talking about they're going to have all the pros there, how much that will hurt Frankfurt? I think it'll be significant. Mm. But because if you get the top twenty blooming pros, mm-hmm. or even more than that, isn't it thirty six? Isn't it? So if you get top thirty six triathletes in the world racing or long course at least racing. At Challenge Road next year, well, yeah, the Frankfurt Field will be completely different, won't it? It is. I'm just different dates next year. Yeah, it is different dates, but yeah. still. Yeah, no, it will affect the field. It'll mean Road will get better coverage, though. They'll have good coverage of both events. Mm. So it's a big month for triathlon in Germany. If they go Road on the 1st of July next year, next year Frankfurt's on the 8th of July, and then usually Hamburg's the week after that. It's like three weekends of live TV. Pretty cool. So. Uh, Mike Threckold just sent through guys I'm guessing you've already seen the announcement that the new tiered pricing scheme being used for Ironman Boulder and Ironman Texas what makes it feel so unscrupulous is that it don't make it public how many slots are in each tier tier 1 slots for both races are already gone in less than 5 hours so there were obviously very few slots at the lower price uh, he's planning on ranting on Facebook so just you know your thoughts I kind of think yeah, if you want to be in on the win, got to get in early. And a lot of companies do this, don't they? It's like those bus companies that sell five dollar tickets, but there's actually only one ticket. Yeah, you know, like it's yeah. You want the cheapy? Get in, get in on it. And as a race director, like I've got a business, and I do tiered pricing. I don't do tiered pricing. It's more like when you get in, which I'm sure is what he's saying. Sometimes you've got to do that because you've got to get people hmm. to know you're going to sign up. So I don't know. But yeah, interesting. Uh, Jeff Curry. He sent us through. The explosion, Curry. Curry, the Curry, that's one of our best nicknames of all time, John. Although people do like our nicknames, <laughs> generally speaking. Most people. What's this about, John? So there's an article that Jeff sent through. It was a really good um, piece that Lucy Gossage had written for the NHS, um, oh, really? which is, I think she wrote it for the NHS, but it's on the, the Guardian website. Uh, oh no, so why, why I went from NHS doctor to professional triathlete and back. So Lucy won Ironman UK last weekend. And That's a great photo of her on that site because she's obviously had a crash. <laughs> Look at that, it's sensational. And she, um, she's now back working as a doctor and it's just a one page. It will have a link on the show notes, I assume. Did you read it? I did read it. And, and what's, it was, what's the key points, John? The key points is she told her well, not bullshit to do doctors, when she was finishing or doing her PhD, I'm going to have a sabbatical, go and do triathlon for, for two or three years and see how good I can get. And I think that's going to make me a better doctor further down the track. Not necessarily believing that at the time, but <laughs> in hindsight, was, yeah. it turns out she, she it did help her a lot in terms of problem solving, learning about marketing yourself um, and just seeing things from a different side and then realising how it's not all 
roses when you're a professional triathlete, but then coming back to the other side and dealing with uh, cancer patients and realizing we had it hard for a little while. And yeah, it gets really tough in a race situation, but it's a choice you make. These guys haven't got a choice and they've got to suffer through it. So I think she's just come out of being a pro for a couple of years, a, a better person, and now she's trying to do the juggling act between racing as competitively as she, as she can still in the pro division whilst being a, for, I, believe, I think, a full-time doctor as well. Okay, well, Doing I'll, a pretty good job at this stage. I'll put a link to that in this week's show notes. John, just uh, while I'm on this page, new Doctor Who. Are you a Doctor Who fan? No. no I've never gotten a Doctor Who, and no. I like a sci-fi. Do you like a sci-fi? I don't mind a sci-fi. I wouldn't say I'm a sci-fi. Oh, I love a good sci-fi. Doctor Who, no, her name is Jodie Whittaker. There you go. I saw that on the news last night. Okay, Jombo, uh, uh, anything else? Sponsor? Uh, no, we've talked about Exhale. I'm going to go into them in a bit more detail. So if you guys want to check out Exhale, it's basically keep all your training information in one place. They're trying to... When you talk about information, what do you mean? So all your... Well, you can basically do your coaching from it if you're a coach. If you're an athlete, you can upload all your files there. And they're trying to make it... Not so much about all the algorithms and predictions and all that stuff. You can compare your data with other parts of your data rather than comparing it to some predicted value that you should be at based off all the, all the sort of algorithms, etc. So check it out, trainexhale.com. And uh, probably the main feature that I really like out of it is that ability to grab multiple files and compare them on one page. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good tool, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, so exhale.com, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes again for this week as well. Athlinks.com and Extreme Endurance, you heard from Sandy and our fantastic patrons. Okay, Jombo, so the question is, na patrons' names we're going to mention today? Charles, the Shadow Meehan. We've got Mark, the Missile Scudamore. And George, Mr. Money Banks. Nice, Mr. Money Banks. Okay, Jombo, uh, your gossip. My gossip. Get, first couple of days back, so we, I got back on Thursday New Zealand time. Yep. Had ambitions of Thursday, Friday being good working days. Didn't really happen. Why? Monday, I'm back into the groove. Why? Oh, just tired? Just, not tired, just catching up on life and having not had a structured day for such a long time. Got a bit done, but back on it on Monday, I'm back in the groove. Every, th every Thursday, I do my budget. I, like, I love yeah. my budget time. So I've probably talked about my budget time. I love mm -hmm. doing my budget. Well, well it's Saturday. Six hours of budget because <laughs> I hadn't done it in like six weeks. Yeah, it was a big day. Yeah, it was a big day because I, I woke up at three in the morning mm -hmm. and I was just sitting there and I was like, oh, well, I, might well, I might as well get up and do something. So I started work through to six because then I had to coach. Came back home, I think maybe seven hours of budget, John. Fun times on a Saturday, yeah. but the budget's doing the budget gets a tick. Gotcha, let's go. Any other goss? Take the kids skiing, as I said, tomorrow, which is going to be great. Are you good skier? Ah, I'm reasonable. I haven't skied for years, though, so I'll be. I'm going to be dusting the skis off this year. Most you other years. are going to be sore in a few days' time. Yeah, I think I probably will be. But no, it's fun doing stuff like that with the kids. Took this morning, went for a che very cheeky, quick swim. Um, it took Thomas down for an early morning swim. Hit it, hit it out. He's got his personal best written up now. He did 100 free this morning. And does uh, he swim? Does he swim in a squad? Not yet, but no, we're going to we're going to ramp up the swimming now. He's been twice since I've been back. And well, you, so will you get him into squads and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So. Does he like swimming? Oh, he loves it. He was in there this morning with all the adults in the slow lane, showing them how it's done. <laughs> nice. It's good to see. Nice, it's so cool. Uh, anything else? No, that's about it. What movies T did you watch Terry, on the way home? Terry, uh, uh, Dirty Little Secret. Yep. Um, no, no, Dirty Little Secrets, bloody. Dirty um, Rascal. Dirty Rascal. No, oh. he's Dirty Little Secret. Posh oh. offers uh, Magnum of Wine, Terry, if you're listening. Oh, gave, gave me a Magnum. Oh, did you? I made it back to New Zealand and it's uh, Gone made, made it into my stomach. 
Nice. Um, Mar- Marisa is, is... Dirty little rascal. Oh, dirty little secret and dirty little rascal. Mm. Dirty pair, those two. Dude, that just sounds wrong, John. <laughs> um, What's happening in your world? Well, back into work, I have to say my body is suffering. Mm-hmm. Big time, John, because I keep running up. I run. No, I didn't do stupid running, but I ran consistently while I was away, which I enjoyed. I, to tell you what, because I think when you're holiday, you shouldn't be focused too much on your sport. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on your life. My job is sport, so I, I don't. Holiday is not worry about keeping fit and worry about weight. I want to be able to enjoy food and, and holidays. But running is such a great way to just experience a place. Mm-hmm. You know, like for us, Joe and I, we ran pretty much every day. It was never 40 minutes to an hour max. Mm-hmm. But you just get to see so much more of a city when you go for a run. So yeah. I, I just love that. So, But I went and taught a pump class. And I thought to myself in the morning, this is Sunday morning. So I taught a, a so what's pump? Ah, uh, weights, yeah. high reps, not that heavy. <clears throat> um, like with a bar sort of. Yeah, thing. yeah. It's pretty popular. And um, it's a good kind of base workout. It's not the best strength workout you can do, but it's, it's good for kind of maintenance. And you're <laughs> no, selling it. <laughs> well, no, but, no. Well, the reason it is pumps really good is that females don't do weights. Yes. So pump root really well because it's got good women in strength training. And the science behind it is actually pretty brilliant. Mm. Lesmo has spent quite a bit of money with Penn State looking at what are the benefits. Massive benefits, particularly mm. for people who don't do any weights. And it works in an environment where... Like even, I, I do weights a little bit nowadays, but for someone who, you know, triathletes, a pump class is better than doing nothing. Yeah, if you're going to get a specific program from a PT, well, it's much better if it's because it's specific to your needs. But turn up and doing a pump class, you, there's definitely benefits to it. Mm. Well, normally I, I try to go pretty hard when I teach pump. I think when you, pump as a class is one of the ones that can be a bit boring because there's not much energy. So mm-hmm. as an instructor, so what you do to make it work is you work hard. So mm-hmm. as I'm standing in front of people, I never go light. I always go as hard as I can. I woke up Sunday morning and thought to myself, I'm going to go hard, I'm going to smash myself. Taught my first class, so I taught a grit class, which is kind of a half an hour hard, fast kind of hits training. And I realised probably wouldn't be wise <laughs> for me to, to do heavy weight. So I kind of went the lightest I would do because I think there's a, a shame level that you shouldn't go to. <laughs> like if you're going to stand in front of people and motivate them, you can't go super light. So I went to the lightest I could do. And OMG, John, I was suffering big time. Yeah. And my body, oh my God, my oh. whole body over the last three days has not been good. So we have a couple of weeks before I'm back to heavy, heavy weights and pump. So that's the main thing. And then outside of that, John, I'm just looking. There's two big movies coming out this week, John, and I'm very excited about it. Dunkirk and Baby Driver. So that's my big week coming up. Did you watch what movies did you watch on plane? I'll tell you what a strong recommendation oh, here not go. what to watch oh. is that La La Land. Yeah, that John, is- I'm with you. Oh. I'm with you one best movie of the year no it didn't it lost to Moonlight in the controversy <laughs> yeah, but, but I didn't get it like I got it I couldn't watch it I had to turn it off after half an hour yeah like because everyone's the best movie of the year like it, it's okay at best mm. it, yeah maybe it was a different experience did you watch The Founder I did that was quite enjoyed yeah, that I enjoyed yeah. that uh, McLaren documentary was it on the plane Yep, only in New Zealand. That was really good. So it's about a New Zealander who, if you've heard of the McLaren racing team, Bruce McLaren. he was actually a New Zealander that started that. And he was legendary and then died at 33. How did he die? A uh, car crash. Oh, really? In, tra- <laughs> in training. Yeah. And, you know, it was but so, so ironic. It's just, I'm just going to go out and do one more lap. Oh, just that one last really? lap. And then crashed and died. Um, so watch that. If you've watched that and you enjoyed it, you need to watch Senna. Senna mm-hmm. is arguably the best sports documentary of all time. Mm. Like, seriously, it's mind blowing. Okay. Right, okay. let's wrap it up. Iron Rust. I mean, no. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick hard. hard.